hit me. From Studio P, Sausalito, home of the hit, it's time for... Suckatash. The number one comedy podcast about comedy... Podcast. And here's your host, internationally recognized comedy podcast commentator, Mark Hershon. Yes, it's I, Mark Hershon. It is me. Uh, whatever. It's Mark Hershon. Welcome to Epi 39 of Suckatash, the comedy podcast podcast. Apologies, I am really behind these days in getting these episodes out the door, so sorry to those of you who've been trained by decades of television and radio with their regular release of content. What luxury! I'd love to be more on top of the release schedule, but I do have a regular full-time gig, which... If I were just sitting here with an open mic and spitballing witty bon mots off of today's headlines, I could probably pull this show off more regularly. But on this show, I do try to bring you snippets and bits from comedy podcasts around the interwebs, around the world, and that just plain takes time. Time to listen, time to cut out the clips, time to visit the show's websites and hope they actually put some useful information up about themselves and their shows. And then I have to format everything, cut it together and do the whole companion blog to go along with it. I'm neither complaining nor making excuses. Well, I guess I am making excuses, but there are only so many minutes in a day I have for Succotash. And since it's not generating a penny of income to offset my expenses, even though I have had some rather nice folks hit our donate button on the website from time to time, I really can only put this show out when I can literally afford to do so. So sorry about that. Since Heavy 38 two weeks ago, I've had no podcasters submit clips to the show. So I was going to do a show around the 8th Annual Podcast Awards, which the voting on closes November 15th. Perfect self-contained show idea, right? I thought I'd feature clips from the 10 shows in the comedy category, but again, no time, right? Sorry. In lieu of playing those clips, here are the shows that are nominated, again, in the comedy category for the 8th Annual Podcast Awards. Beauty and the Beast, Citizen Radio, Comedy Bang Bang, File Under Horrible, Metro Buzz, My Brother, My Brother and Me, The Greenlight Show, The Ramen Noodle, Walking the Room, and WTF with Mark Marin. So get up to podcastawards.com and vote before November 15th. There are a bunch of other categories, a bunch of other shows, but we really don't care about them here on Succotash because we are the Comedy Podcast Podcast. Ah, time to get into the tweet sack. I'm going to do the tweet sack right up near the top this time. Not a whole lot in the tweet sack. A reminder that the Hashtag Comedy Show is happening this coming Sunday night, November 11th, in NoHo, that's North Hollywood, at the other door, 10437 Burbank Boulevard. This is the show that Travis Clark from Tiny Odd Conversations Podcast is putting on to get his wife and co-host Brandy up on stage to do her first stand-up comedy ever. Uh, but there are so several other real-deal comedians getting up, in, too, including Travis himself, Chris Chauncey, Andy Sell, Asterios Coconis, co sorry, co co Coconos, and Greg Barron from Walking the Room podcast. Did I, did I mention this fabulous live show is free? Serious. Get more information on the hashtag comedy show at talkpod.com. That's T-O-C-P-O-D dot com. Uh, there are a couple more other podcasters who've sent along their blog URLs to go up on our Succotash blog roll at our site. Uh, that's at SuccotashShow.com. So uh, welcome to Get Into Character and the Comedy Buffet. I mentioned the 8th Annual Podcast Awards, but there are some other shows 
uh, award shows going on. There's the Stitcher Smart Radio. Uh, they're running one right now. I'll try to get more for you on that by next episode. And uh, our old friends at I Am Idiot in Britain are up for a European podcast award. So go up to IamIdiotCentral.com for more information on that and a link where you can vote for Howard, Keith, and Ben. Speaking of England, I got a message on Facebook from Alba Lewis of the Brit in the American podcast who we've featured here before. Seems she and cohort in podcasting, Thomas Moore, are passing through San Francisco later this week. We will try to get together for coffee and a chat, which I hope to share with you guys in an upcoming show. And speaking of upcoming shows, do you see how I smoothly segue in the tweet sack from one thing to another? I will be a guest next Tuesday night. Uh, that's Tuesday, the 13th of November on the Functional Nerds podcast, hosted by John uh, <laughs> John uh, Aniolo. Oh, man, I almost couldn't pronounce his name again. John Aniolo, who we featured here in an interview on Succotash Epi 33. We featured his music several times besides that time. He and co-host Patrick Hester have invited me to be on their show, Functional Nerds. So be sure to listen to that if you want to learn more about me when I'm on someone else's show. So... Bottom line for this show, I've got no clips, but I do have a great interview with one of my favorite comedians. Andy Bumatai is from Hawaii and is in Hawaii and made his name there as well. He gets to the mainland from time to time, which is how I first got to know him. We get into that story in the interview, how he and I first met. I taped this chat with Andy when I was in Honolulu back in September, and I was hoping to have it up before now because it's got some shows for a show that Andy and some other brothers from the islands did in the Bay Area and Southern California at the end of October. Uh, so I guess the show's running a little bit on island time here or something, but uh, apologies to Andy and the crew. Could not get this on in time to plug the show. Not that the Succotash bump was going to make a big difference in your ticket sales. Um, anyway, you can see Andy regularly now on YouTube with his series In the Car with Andy Bumatai. Now, please note that this hit the web a good half year or so before Jerry Seinfeld's Comedians in Cars Getting Coffee series got online. So we talk not to, just about this current project of Andy's in the car, where he drives around uh, the Hawaiian Islands with various guests. He's got a bunch of cameras rigged up so you see the islands and you see his interview. It's pretty cool. Uh, we also touch on some of the other shows he's done over the years that helped make him, well, just about as much about Hawaii as pineapple poi and poo-poo platters. Speaking of poo-poos, that's one of the things mentioned on a t-shirt I'm giving away this episode. Seriously, it's an artifact of Andy Bumatai's, a genuine black t-shirt from a long-defunct live comedy show in Honolulu called Crack Up Thursdays, which you know was funny because Thursdays was spelled with a Z at the end. So you know it had to be funny. Uh, the show is at the East Side Bar and Grill. And uh, I will have a picture of this very garment up on the Succotash Show dot uh, com website i have one t-shirt that's right it's large and it's uh it's pretty threadbare but it's clean i have washed it it belonged to andy and he left it in my rental car when i drove him to a gig, gig in honolulu in september and i said do you want this back he says i i don't want it back you can have it i said i'll give it away so uh if you want that t-shirt it's clean and uh, i will give details right at the end of the interview how you can win that Crack Up Thursday's t-shirt, and I will send it to you. So how about that? Uh, before we get into the interview itself, apologies for some of the sound quality. We were recording outdoors at the Aloha Tower, uh, Honolulu Landmark, and occasionally you can hear a trade wind tear up the sound 
across the microphone. So sorry about that. You can also uh, hear the occasional bird, some Hawaiian store music in the background, but it's all real, it's live, and it's only sort of, sort of distracting. Besides, at the end, I'm giving away a free T-shirt, damn it. All right, uh, here's the interview with Mr. Andy Bumatai. And it just makes it so easy because I just uh, I plug both these into uh, mm-hmm. Audacity to marry the the tracks, and then yeah, I, yeah. if I, if my engineer isn't doing it on on Pro Tools, then I do it myself through the episode on uh, in GarageBand, and yeah. it's a piece of cake. Fine, you know, um, a friend of mine, comic, does a podcast, and he has this single microphone. In restaurants, loud restaurants, but he just does this. Oh, that directional. The, yeah, but the problem is, if, you know, if, if you don't have, I'm here, you can't yeah. hear me, you know what I mean? But it, it really, uh, yeah, I was I was stunned at the quality. He does, uh, you know, he's on five radio stations. Oh, really? Does it with that thing. Wow. And he does a podcast? Or he does a radio show? Radio. Oh, okay. I mean, you know, radio now is like... I got six breaks, let's fill them, okay, we got this much time, he just times it and cuts it accordingly. And yeah. All right, it's uh, six o'clock, hey man, how you doing, Andy? Oh, it's great, well, have you seen that movie? Ah, oh, it sucked, okay, great. We'll be right back with uh, more reggae after this. We'll be right back with more jazz after this. We'll be right back with more country after this. And then you just slice it up. And he puts it on all these different, he's on five radio stations here in Hawaii. That's amazing. Yeah. Because, I mean, you know, when a hotel room in Vegas, oh, i got to do my radio show, hold on. <laughs> he knocks all this shit out, and now we're fucking sending it out. Uh, I am uh, sitting uh, high atop, well, not high atop, I guess we're still below the top of the Aloha Tower. Aloha Tower Marketplace. We, we are in the shadow. The shadow of the Aloha Tower. <laughs> uh, the, the, the deceased Aloha Tower, but soon to be revived. Well, the the tower has been around. It was once the tallest building in Hawaii. Oh, really? That, okay. that tower right wow. there. Right. And what's amazing that. is that clock has been four minutes on for the last <laughs> 50 years. Nice. Nice. I am with uh, Andy Bumatai, uh, a legend of uh, island comedy. Oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, this is uh, episode, uh, what episode is this? I think this will be episode 30, I'm going to say episode 39. <laughs> thank you for playing, yes. Mr. Hershon. <laughs> By the time we get on, anyway, I'm out here on vacation and uh, uh, try to get together with Andy every time I get out here. And uh, our history goes back a ways. In fact, if you uh, look for our interview on YouTube, I, I, we talked about it. But uh, since my listeners are unfamiliar with the way we met, I will rehash the story one more time because it's uh, a story of such bravado that it deserves to be retold. I was uh, uh, working for Fox Productions at San Francisco, booking the Punchline Comedy Club and several other clubs as well. And uh, I get a call from, uh, you know, answer the phone, and uh, I get a call from from you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you introduce yourself. This is Andy Bumatai. I'm a comedian in Hawaii. Oh, okay, Andy. And I'm going to be in San Francisco. Oh, great, great. And I'd like to uh, I'd like to work uh, the Punchline. This is so embarrassing. <laughs> Well, that's fine, Andy. Uh, if you could send us, uh, you know, a, a videotape and, uh, you know, we'll take a look at... No, 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 I, I, I'm a headliner in Hawaii, and I, I think I can headline the punchline. I go, well, that's that's great. Maybe maybe that's true. But send us a tape. No, I don't send tapes. Uh, but I'll tell you what, and this was the bravado part. You said, I will sell out all seven shows. And I said, well, how can you guarantee this? Because everyone in the Bay Area who's ever been to Hawaii knows who I am. 
Now, the punchline at the time, we, you know, we were taking flyers on people like Ronnie Shell, classic old comic who would call, and then he'd get 17 people in the house, you know, <laughs> it's a 200-seat room. Uh, so we go, well, what do we got to lose? Sure, okay, well, we've got, a, we've got an empty week when he's going to be here. Let's book him. So but you, you left out the part where I told you, and if I don't sell out every yeah. show, yes. you don't have to pay that's me. That's right, that's right. Of course, that was the kicker. Yeah, if that I don't, was the kicker. That's right. If I don't sell out every show, you don't have to pay me. We, how can we lose? Yeah. This is fantastic. Uh, so we booked you, and I don't know if you remember, but you said so. If we sell out six and we do ninety nine percent on show seven, I don't have to pay you. <laughs> Such a deal! Such a deal! And by God, you sold out seven shows. It was unbelievable, yeah. unbelievable. And you came back to the punchline quite a few times long after I'd left Fox Productions. You were yeah. still playing the punchline. You know, I, I never told you this, but you know, I had done real well down in Hermosa Beach. Oh, okay. You know, so yeah. I had an inkling that, uh, in fact, the bartender there, I think he called your club and said, mm. "Buy a lot of extra my time mix." <laughs> These Hawaiians love that drink. Uh, but anyway, so that was just uh, that was a great uh, sort of opening way of meeting you. We were young men back then. We were. God, we were young. We had our whole future ahead of us. Brazen young lads. Um, but let's talk a little bit about um, sort of the career that you've had in Hawaii. Because, I mean, when I, when I say you're a legendary comedian here, you, you literally are. I mean, you've had, well, you've I, had you know, several TV shows, yeah. radio shows, Internet shows. Well, you know, it's interesting because when I started in stand-up here in Hawaii, right, no one had really done it. There were a few people who did, um, you know, like Kent Bowman and some of the older guys from the Don Ho days uh -huh. and all that, Who, but they didn't do actual stand-up as you and I know it. You know, yeah. they might have done songs or funny stories or, you know, whatever, but yeah, nobody ever stood there and went, hey, you know. So yeah. uh, when I came along, and I'm going to borrow a line Don Ho used to tell me, you know, and I said, God, what's it like being Don Ho? You're Mr. Ho. He goes, I was just born around the right time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and he says, and he really believed that, that it was all timing. And I think that had a lot to do with me because yeah. um, there was a new generation coming along. They were hipper. They were getting into different things. And they, you know, and then all of a sudden here I am in a, in a university club, you know, doing stand-up. And, hey, you know, it was really hot. So how old were you when you started? Oh, man, I guess, let's see, I was 1979. I must have been 24, something like that. And so in a place where there was no template for modern comedy, how did you get started going, hey, here's how I'm going to put an act together? Well, you know, it's funny because I, I was a salesman, right? And I did, I went to see all you uh, wanted to know about sex but were afraid to ask uh -huh. in Woody Allen's yeah. movie. And I came back to this party that I had been invited to with the salespeople that I worked with. And I said, you guys got to see this movie. And I started doing the bits, you know, okay. and, and, and doing this. There was a guy from the mainland, right? And he pulled me on the side. He was a you know, sales guy from, you know, I sold copy machines. Right? Oh, okay. And he said, uh, if you don't go into stand-up, you're missing your calling. And I went, I hadn't even thought about it, you know. So I said, well, and I went to start doing some um, amateur talent shows and stuff. But the only comics I ever saw, because there weren't any here, was on TV. Okay. You know, it was uh, Johnny Carson was, you know, the big one. And sure. I would have turned him off if he was doing well. And only when he died did I want to watch Oh, really? Him, because yeah, because no one died like Carson died. He died better than anybody. And, you know, I said, anybody can do well, but I, you know, cause I'm going to die. So... <laughs> That's what I tried to learn. So I started Interesting. doing... Interesting. Yeah, and then, and then again, here comes the timing part, right? 
I'm in a little club eating it, literally. I mean, just 10 bucks a night, right? And there was a wildly popular ensemble comedy group here called Booga Booga. Okay. The main guy, we say he's the main guy because he was kind of the engine that drove it. You know, there's always that one guy, right? He left, rap rap he left, and they needed a replacement, right? So they heard about this nuts kid down there, you know, uh, doing... Uh, the breaks between a Hawaiian musical act, <laughs> yeah. right? And they went down and said, hey, you, you want to fill in? You know, and it's a hundred bucks a week. And I'm, what? <laughs> Are you kidding? I'm making $30 a week now. <laughs> Sign you know? me up. Oh, man. Yeah, so I started doing that. And then after that, it, that kind of put my name out there. And then I went into a comedy club and then I went back to stand-up after. So developing your act here, there, there's two distinctly different audiences here. There's the mainland mm-hmm. tourist audience, yeah. and then there's the local audience. And I mean, I went to a show when I got here this week with you with some, I mean, classic Hawaiian guys yeah. doing their doing their act, and it is a different animal. I mean... It's almost a different language. Yeah, it literally is a different language. Yeah, there are references. I mean, you know... It, I was reminded of what you saw at Wahiwa. This was Frank DeLima, uh, Augie T, and Melka Bang, and myself playing yeah. the belly of the local beast in Wahiwa Dots. And, you know, that little... That yeah. club. But, you know, we packed the place. What is it, about 400 people in there? It was huge. It was huge. And, and a meal. <laughs> and a yeah. meal, a giant <laughs> greasy meal. A giant greasy meal. In fact, that's that's what you put over the headliner. That gets people in. Giant, giant greasy, greasy meal and some comedy. You know? <laughs> but but what I'm saying is, I, I was reminded, like the first time I saw Paul Rodriguez do you know do a show in San Antonio. I went. Mm. I mean, that literally is another language because it's Spanish. But we have a dialect here, pigeon. You know, and yeah. we make references, and local people love it. You know. And I don't know if you saw that Facebook thing I did recently where I was trying to explain the difference between Mm. what we call in Hawaii local humor and ethnic humor. Because the uninitiated go, those are just ethnic stereotypes. They are teasing each other. These poor, aren't we past that? that But the difference is the local comedy here in Hawaii, right, um, has insight into the culture. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so yeah. without that insight into the culture, the people you're teasing would get mad. Right. But now you tease a Filipino. You know, I say, you know, they, they tease, you know, Filipinos, you know, like no flips in the pool, you know, or whatever. <laughs> you know, and they laugh because they call each other that. Right. See? So that that's what local humor has. And, of course, there's, you know, dialogues that... You know, people wouldn't understand. How much jag? Oh, I brought on the act, bro. And, you know, they get into that. I have no idea what you just said. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I'm saying there. So you, it's kind of, and you know what's interesting is the Hawaiian the pigeon English, as they call it, you know, and for you who may not have been to Hawaii, it kind of sounds like, hey, bro, why you let go down by the kind? We're going to eat what? You're going to grind with me or what, bro? You know? And people go, gee, I've just entered a uh, National Geographic special here. Get back to the car, dear. Quick, move quickly, move quickly. I don't know what they said, but move quickly. Move quickly. Are you talking about us? But uh, people here, especially, oddly enough, when you leave Hawaii and you play San Francisco or uh, any... Anywhere where there are pockets of Hawaiian, that's what they want to hear. Uh, Don't you dare talk about, you know, the Embarcadero. Talk about Wahiwa. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So you're developing your act. Who are you developing an act for? Because uh, you've... Are you well, playing to a mixed audience when you start, or is it all locals, or is it... Well, I'm like a chameleon, you know. It depends where I am, you right. know. Uh, when I was on the mainland for the 10 years when I was working, you know, with your yeah. club and that kind of thing... Uh, 
when I came back here, I had trouble because it was too mainland. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? It, you had to acclimate then, yourself. Yeah, and then now I'm here, and now i got to go back to the mainland. I'm thinking, okay, how does that translate? You know, how do I? Because there's some things that just don't translate. Yeah. Like, you know, like, you would tell a joke here, like, oh, brah, you know, good to have ukus. Ukus are head lice, oh, okay. right? But <laughs> yeah. they're associated with small kid time. Yeah. What we call, you know, small Hanabara yeah. days. So he said, oh, good, uh, people ahead. You know, we bald. That way your ukus can break dance. <laughs> okay. See what I mean? Yeah. Which is a cute, funny joke here. Well, right. you go to San Francisco, hey, it's great to be bald. Your head lice can break, break dance. That's not funny. No. no. <laughs> it doesn't quite have the same ring for some it reason. It oh, well, because yeah. it doesn't have that association right. to when you were a kid, everybody here had head lice for some reason. Mm-hmm. I don't know what it is. They call it ukus. Yeah. In fact, people don't know. Uku means bug. Okay. And ukulele is what everybody on the mainland calls the ukulele. Because <laughs> okay. it, the pronunciation is ukulele, because uku means bug and lele means jump. Okay. Because the sound of the ukulele to Hawaiians, it was a Portuguese instrument, sounded like bugs jumping. Okay. So they called it the ukulele. Succotash, not just comedy, but language lessons, too. <laughs> Insight into the culture. <laughs> All right, so you develop, you're developing yeah. your act, and, and wh- where does it go from there? Now you're now sort of the the uh, the engine behind this group and getting. No, I was never the engine. Oh, I was, he, I was way in over my head. Okay. If I had your improvisational skills, <laughs> maybe I might have uh, you know been able to keep my head above water. But okay, was, so what happens? So you're uh, in there, hundred bucks a week. I'm in there and I'm just hanging out with my fingernails and you know n- never having worked with anybody. Oh, is this how it is? Not knowing these guys are just you know weirdos at the time, but uh, I realized you know what? I went back to my stand-up roots. And then I'm working this little club, right? And um, I opened for Yvonne Ellerman, right? Because suddenly somebody realized, wait a minute, instead of a band, we'll just hire this one guy. No equipment. No equipment. He travels with a carry-on. You know, he doesn't <laughs> mind a crappy room. And suddenly, bang for the, I was your bang for the buck opening act. Right? Okay. So then um, Kimo McVeigh, who uh, handled... Um, Don Ho at one time and was handling the Beamer Brothers and they had a huge hit Honolulu City Lights. I don't know if you know each time Honolulu City Lights, a huge hit. They went into Waikiki. Wow. They needed a bang for the buck opening act Uh, guy. I'm your man. Boom. I come in, right? Thousand dollars a week. Nice. Serious? And then I said, whoa, are you kidding? (laughs) Right? Now, I didn't realize we were doing five shows. There were probably a thousand people in this room every night. Today would have been the worst. You know, I would have asked for 8,000. Of course. I got it. But, you know, at the time, you're going, yeah. And I, but I had only been working for about a year. Wow. Right? So now I'm working Waikiki, and that's when it changed. Because suddenly locals are coming, but tourists are coming in too. And they're going, well, it's an uku. Yeah. You know, so now I'm changing it. Oh, and then I started defining things. Yeah. Well, you know, uku. Excuse me, just excuse me, ma'am. Uku <laughs> means you know. When I started doing that yeah. thing, yeah. right? And then uh, what happened was I made the biggest mistake of my career, and I went into the monarch room, right? And I was there for a year and a half. My contract was for a million dollars. Really? This is three years into my. I got my. <laughs> I suck at stand-up at this point. And you got a million-dollar contract. A million (laughs) dollars. Fucking... Can I swear? Yes, it's a podcast. A a million. I I, I I turned to Kimo and I went, 
Now I'm wearing a tuxedo. I'm 25 or six or something. I'm in this in the Monarch Room, the Royal Hawaiian Hotel. Yeah. You know the Pink Palace on the beach. Mm-hmm. I'm surfing every day, paddling in, taking a shower, putting on a tuxedo, doing my show to a bunch of people that were easily 60 years old. <laughs> and I'm dying, Mark. Oh my god. I mean, god. I'm trying to not only and I'm doing you know tourist material, but I'm talking about new wave rock and roll. I'm 26. What do you talk about? These kids are. What? What are you nuts with this? These people, I right, don't right. get it, you're nuts. But I had a contract. So after a year and a half, of course, I was fired. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, you know, the, the, the classic example of the managers taking the money. And, you know, oh, jeez. I didn't really come out of it much except, you know, I had you a. You got a lot of surfing in. I got a surfer. I had an 81 <laughs> Porsche, and, uh, you know, everybody went, whoa, Brian. I was like, yes! And it cost me a million. Nice. <laughs> nice. Wow. Okay, so then what What happens after that? Well, after that... That's, I mean, that's a hell got, of an experience, whether you bombed every night or not. Yeah, that's well, it was amazing. A, well, what happened was I had gotten married, right? Yeah, well, very young. I married my high school sweetheart. We got divorced. And then uh, financially, uh, you know, every way you measured it, I was just, boom, hitting the rock. So I had met Sherry, yes. my wife now, and I went to... Uh, Los Angeles, and like the song, please come to L.A., she said, well, okay. <laughs> and, you know, she came over there, and we started over. And that's when I started working um, in earnest, the comedy club circuit. And again, timing. Yes. It was the hottest time of the year. Couldn't have, couldn't have called it, yeah. And, but, but this was the beautiful part, you know. Uh, I don't know if you ever read Outliers. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Remember how they said the thousand hours or whatever? Ten thousand hours. hours. That's yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. I had the chops. I'd been working a lot. So I show up at the comedy store, right? Well, I have to do three minutes with all the other people that do three minutes. I'm slamming. Yeah. I'm doing an hour and a half every night. Right? right. So I climb that ladder pretty quickly, and then I end up opening for Tom Jones and Paul Anka and doing that thing, mm. right? And then kids came out. Ah. Right? Yeah. And that kind of put in, you know, I had to make a decision, you know, was I, was I going to do that? And, um, you know, so Sherry and I got married, and I decided to come home with the kids and came home. And then, you know, fast forward 10 years or however long it's been. I've, not, I've been doing comedy for 30 years now. So so you did a, a very popular TV show here on the islands. Yeah. Uh, what was that called? That, well, there was a couple. Uh, it's like the Wizard of Oz of Hawaii. It was the first one was called High School Days, and what I did right. was uh, we didn't have scripts, so I just faked some, some you know, put a hat on sideways and made my face kind of funny and did a sling blade. Hey, I'll say that, John. My name is Dizzy, and I did some, and that worked pretty well. So then we said, you know, if we hire a makeup guy, <laughs> so I did a thing called All in the Ohana. Right, and you played all the main yeah. characters. All the I played a whole family. And I played all the characters. And this is way before Eddie Murphy guys had done it. And yeah. Stuff. So, in fact, that was another, you know, you remember your stupid mistakes. Going into the monarch room was one. But the second one was Glenn Larson, you know, the uh, television yes. producer, right? He was in town, and he uh, I met him through Tommy Smothers. Uh, and anyway, we ended up at Glenn Larson's house. And Glenn says, I saw that show you did. You know, that would make a hell of a series, one guy, how unique for one guy to play all the characters in a series. Like, it'd be like all in a family, except you'd be playing this whole, whole Hawaiian family, right? 
So let's, let's sit down. Let's write that. Let's see if we can put that together, he says to me. And I say, you know, there's surf. And can I catch you tomorrow on this? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm dead serious. Oh, no. And he says, yeah, okay, I guess we could talk about it the next day. And the next day never came. Sure. There was still surf. There was surf all that week, and I surfed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but now at this point, you got to mention I'm 26, 27. Yep. Yeah. Going, fuck. That's surf. That's just surf. Glenn Larson, you know, he'll be around. This, <laughs> you know, North Shore is epic. <laughs> yeah. Real Hawaiian, but a Hawaiian just came out of there. That was a big mistake. Of course, we never hooked up again after that, you know. Yeah. Um, but you keep uh, you keep putting out product. I mean, and, and as the media shifted, you went from TV. And when you and I finally hooked up again was a couple of years ago, and you had an internet show. Yeah, I was doing an online show. I tried a bunch of different stuff. I did a a, a nightly talk show. That's here. right. Yeah, you yeah. Know, uh, it was called Nighttime. I think if you search, I think for they're it, still on YouTube. Yeah, you can we find did. Some we did four hundred and thirty episodes. Uh, I was on every night after the news. I was kind of doing a Letterman light. You know what I mean? Yeah. And my idea was, you know, to do this show and then syndicate it, and people would love this show from Hawaii. And then when I tried to sell it, you know, I, everyone said, that's not a show from Hawaii. That's a bunch of guys in a dark room. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because we, we did a set in a yes. nightclub. And I should have been on the beach. Right. With, and that's what people, right? So I went, oh, man, okay, oops. You oops. know what I mean? <laughs> oops, 430 shows. Oops. <laughs> right. So that's why on this new show I'm doing, uh, In the Car, yeah. you can see it on uh, YouTube.com slash Andy Bumatai. Yeah, I'll put one of the more recent episodes up with the with this on the blog so yeah, people okay. can watch it. And, then, uh, when I'm, and anyway, so I'm doing that show, and guess what? Now I'm wearing an Aloha shirt. You're seeing the beauty of Hawaii through the window of this car as I drive around and interview people. Yeah. You know? And for those of you who will be comparing it to Jerry Seinfeld's show, <laughs> yes. please know that I was doing it six months before yeah. that, and I do not blame Jerry. Uh, you know, you, both, you and I both know he's That's a nice right. guy. Yeah. I'm sure he's still. I would is. blame his producer, Greg. Uh, um, no, I what was his name? Something Larson. Yeah, I wouldn't. Oh, Greg. <laughs> Glenn Larson. Glenn Larson. Blame Glenn Larson. <laughs> <laughs> no, no. I, you know, a pure coincidence. I'm sure uh, he's doing it very different. I have, you know, but uh, well, he owns all the cars he's in. You have one car. I have one car. <laughs> you know, and someone said, "Well, you know, hey, evidently he's going to run out of cars." You know, that's what somebody said to me. I said, "Oh, great! He'll only do 400 episodes, <laughs> or borrow some from Leno." Mm. <laughs> well, there's another thousand episodes right there. I'm toast. But, so. It's interesting to me to get your perspective on how comedy has changed in the 30 years you've been doing it through your lens of, of watching it and adapting it from Hawaii because, you know, you're yeah. seeing probably a few performers that get over here, but mostly you've got to be watching through television, I would assume. Well, you know, you know, for me, it's been the language. That's the that's the biggest difference. Uh, you know, people will tell you that comedy got darker, it got meaner, you know, it got sarcastic, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, Cosby is whack now, you know, and <laughs> I guess he kind of was back then, but it, for me, working in Hawaii, especially working with tourists, okay, I always work clean. I never so much as said shit on stage, okay, and the reason, I'm not puritanical in any, you know, way, but it allowed me to have a broader audience to perform for, 
because in a small little town like this, you've got to, you know, get as much work as you can. And if you're up there, you know, talking about, you know, fuck this and fuck that, you don't get the gigs. Right. Right. So I just buy default yeah. <laughs> work clean, right? That's when the language was, hey, you know, it's a comedy club. And, but now, to me, and this is going to make me sound like an old fart, it, it's just gratuitous. You know, the fucking dog was walking down a fucking street, and I'm saying, fuck, what the fuck is up with this fucking thing? You know, I, I don't yeah. get it. And, and if you pull all that out, it doesn't, there's nothing more, there's nothing less, and, and some of that. It's an interesting parallel, because, uh, you know, having played a lot of clips of podcasts on my show, which is what I mostly do, uh, it's amazing how much gratuitous swearing there is in podcasts. I mean, a lot of the podcasts are, and my audience is sick to death of hearing me talk about these, are what I call the shooting the shit shows. It's like four guys sitting around a room and just talking about anything. You know, they grab the newspaper, if anybody even reads a newspaper anymore. I mean, they probably just grab their computers and read off of Google or something. But, And then it's all just fuck this, shit that. And, again, if you pull all those words out, there's no real content around it. It's just, like you said, it's just gratuitous. And, and again, I... <coughs> I've sworn in my act, you know what I mean? But I, I used to do this bit very early, and this is in local clubs, how surfers can uh, fit more F-words into a sentence than anybody. I fucking took off. This fucking way was fucking unreal. <laughs> Fuck, bro. We fucking chopped me and fucking turned on. Barely fucking unreal. Bro, no shit. You know, and, but you take you take fuck out of that, and and the bit. Yeah, there's nothing there. There's nothing there. Right. Know? But you're, you're right. The shit, the shit shows. Um, I don't know. You know that that's. Uh, I mean, I think it's. I, I you know, podcasting has opened this whole new world of sort of communication and letting people sort of in on other people's lives and things like that. And it's it's been very interesting. Um, but with that, I think you know there is no. Uh, overseeing board that says, well, you can't swear, you can't do the, which is fine. That's all great. But at some point, I think, in terms of quality of show, and you can see the shows that do well, you know, there may be some rehearsing or something, but there's a real content involved. Content. Content is king, you know. you got to yeah. have, <clears throat> which, and again, I'm, I'm, I'm not dissing Jerry's show, but he purposely does a show about nothing. When those two guys are in the car, they're talking, when I'm talking to people like you, right. I want to know where their heads are at. You know, I want to know what they were going through, what they were thinking, yeah. what somebody might, you know, who could watch this and come away with something as opposed to, oh, you think titty bars are cool, you know? Right, right. Um, so I guess, I mean, you've done your version of a podcast in video form, um, which is interesting. Uh, have you done radio? Well, I'm not good at radio. something and getting a response and then you know kind of doing the dance from there it's like you know you're playing yeah. ping pong if the ball doesn't come back i'm just <laughs> not good at going okay it would have been here yeah you know and that's what radio takes you know in fact i i talk to people from radio and they say andy no no you can't say um hey we are or you guys you know like i i'm thinking they're people no no it's, it's, only one it's you so it's all it, about you it's always you hey interesting yeah. hey you you know i'm going really i thought you had more than one person watching you know <laughs> yes but you got when you're listening to the radio and which is interesting because if you talk about how things have changed um i was i was i interviewed uh, rusty warren hmm. talk about a name from the past yeah. she was the you know the female lenny bruce and she's got to be in her 
80s, yeah, almost yeah. 90s. Now, she lives here. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. And she said, you know, the listening experience has changed. It hmm. used to be you'd buy a record, you'd come home, you'd put it on the 10-inch vinyl, and a bunch of people would sit in a room and you would all dig the record, whether it was comedy or the new Miles Davis or whatever it was. Now, people have a pair of earphones and they're listening by themselves, yeah. and it's kind of an individual thing. You know, which is you know, this podcast we're doing. Here. Oh, very much so. Absolutely. Uh, it's really an, an interesting switch in, in the entire experience. And I think, I think it's actually heightened the experience of going to see a stand-up comedy show for people. Because, I mean, a lot of podcasters that have their own shows now are stand-up comics. You know, because they want to have that voice out there. A lot of the clubs are not booking the older comics because they're older comics. Right, and so the people booking them are 23 years old. And they're going, well, I've never heard of this guy. I mean, Mark Marin basically, you know, yeah. jump started his career, starting his podcast up, and now he's able to play clubs because of the power of his podcast. Wow! Um, so it's this sort of power that some artists are getting to, to take back. But what I was getting at was, I think there's a new uh, experience for people going to a comedy club because there was a time when it had fallen yeah. off. You know, once you get into the kind of the mid 90s. I guess early 2000s, it was like kind of a dead man's land, you know? It was just hard to get arrested. Oh, and here, you know, I try to work a nightclub. I got, you know, I used to, the old model used to be you'd go find a cool little club, you'd work it every week, you know, and then the, the audience would slowly build, and then pretty soon you got a home and you, you worked it. Now it's you go to a club, there's a whole lot of people, less every week, till finally you get fired. <laughs> that's right, that's right. And talking about the show, it's completely different. I mean, let's talk about the show that I just saw with you this week, where you did, you, you guys didn't buy any advertising, None. you didn't have any, like, visits with radio disc jockeys, if that even exists anymore. Yeah. You did it all through social media. You did it all social media. It was primarily uh, Augie T and I, and, you know, we have Facebook pages, and you get better at it. You know, I, I realize now that you can't just constantly blast, hey, show up at the show, host up at the show. You, you have to give them some value. It's got to be social. There's got to be a give and take. There's got to be conversation. You know. Well, and they and they and they have to be. There has to be value. If I go to your Facebook page, I see nothing but ads. You know, boom! I stop going there. But if there's some funny stuff, right. And every once in a while, by the way, if you like this kind of humor, you know, help me pay the bills by going to Wawa with Mark. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so how is that in terms of you know? I mean, you've always been in a position where you've marketed yourself, right? So how has that changed the game for you? Now you're preparing to. to sort of come back to the mainland, do some time in Las Vegas and in the Bay Area. So how is that going to change how you're going to get the word out? Well, we we rely on the mainland shows a lot on the promoter. Mm -hmm. We hope they're putting up posters in the mall and they're, they're doing what they can with their mailing list and such. But primarily, um, what we do is... Twitter, so uh, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, you know, what have you, and we're constantly putting stuff out there, making your page a fun place to go, and then every once in a while you throw an ad on there, and right. go, oh, and uh, we have the advantage, uh, quote, unquote, of the local people from Hawaii who have moved away ah. and want to hear What's the pigeon. On. They want to hear, you know, uh, they want it. They know they'll be in an audience with a bunch of other uh, expatriates from Hawaii. Yeah. You know what I mean? So they're all going to, hey, Ozzy brought all of a sudden the pigeon starts busting out. They're wearing the Aloha shirts <laughs> right, and right. slippers. And, you know, <laughs> and, you know and, and that's part of the experience. They'll enjoy the 
the, the act, which is, you know. But it's a social aspect. But it's, hey, they're looking around and, hey, man, how's it? And, you know, they're all, they all start throwing shaka and, you know. Will there be a big greasy meal? Of course. <laughs> what are you kidding? <laughs> I told my Lacey at the Comedy and Magic Club, listen, you got to go find some big greasy meal. <laughs> Well, if you have the dates handy in your head, when are you going to be uh, on the mainland? And... Oh, man. I, I used to have a memory. Now I have an iPhone. Uh, there you go. But I, um, Well, I'll definitely post them anyway, but if you can remember yeah, well, them, we can. Hold on. If you, if you don't mind me just putting on no, the glasses I, here to see this. Uh, I can even edit to you it. You know, if so. I had the new i5 and it was a quarter-inch bigger exactly. screen, Exactly. You wouldn't need the glasses. I wouldn't even. I could just <laughs> read it off. Or you? Siri could tell you when it was. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> Where is the big, greasy the meal? meal. <laughs> big, greasy let me do a search. <laughs> well, uh, let's see. No pagoda. No, no. We're talking. Um, we're talking October. Mm -hmm. Okay, October sixth. We're in uh, somewhere in the San Francisco area. I think we're in. Uh, oh no, it's uh, Vallejo. Vallejo. Okay. So it be still a, counts yeah. as the Bay Area. Yeah, there'll be a Kevlar giveaway. <laughs> and then on the or or. I think it's the 5th in Vallejo, the 6th in Fremont. Okay. Okay, and then we're in Seattle on the 12th, Portland on the 13th, and then we're in Carson, um, California on the 19th, San Diego on the 20th, and then Honoka'a on the 26th. <laughs> ah, back home again. <laughs> back home again, jiggity-jig. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, um, you know, I've got to... Uh, I may just cut this part out, but uh, there's a, a great room in Mill Valley, actually, which is where I live. The Throckmorton? The Throckmorton. Yeah, I played there with... Uh, oh, you did? Okay. Yeah, I played there with uh, Robin and... Oh, okay. Uh, uh, oh, let me tell you my Robin Williams story. <laughs> if you want to edit this out, you can. Uh, you know, I kind of know him. I mean, sure. he might know him. When he comes, hey, Andy, but we don't hang. You know, we yeah. don't go bowling. That's how, right? yeah, it's how he talks to me. Yeah, yeah hey, yeah. hey, boss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So uh, he was there, uh, and Mort Saul, yes. who, who I got Lives to be now. Yeah. pretty good friends with, because when, every, when he used to come to Hawaii, we'd oh. hang. Okay, right? cool, yeah. When he was married to Gina. Okay. This, so that's how far that goes. Wow, back. okay. Yeah. So anyway, so what happens was, and he's always been one of my heroes, right? So I'm at the Throckmorton with, uh, with Overton. Oh, okay. Right? Uh, who, right? So now Robin shows up. Did, uh, I guess they improv yeah, they, a lot. Yeah. Anyway, so here's Mort, and Robin's in the room, and it was one of those kind of, well, I'm going to just be, you know, a fan of this, my buddy. Yeah. And I say to Mort, hey, uh, you mind if we take a picture? Robin hears it and goes, oh, no problem. <laughs> and jumps in. <laughs> and he stands in. So here's a picture of Robin in the middle, Mark on one side, and me on the other side, and that's on my thing. And it's like, how do you tell Robin? No, man. Uh, Not your butt out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, oh, you know, I'll funny. tell you what, one of the coolest observations I have had in my comedy career was watching Robin and Mort riff. Yeah. Because, you know, everybody holds Robin in such high esteem, and he's got this thing. Mort couldn't give a rat's ass. <laughs> he's like, hey, now listen to me. He's busting his chops back, and they're talking about things, and Mort's like, no, 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 wait, hold on for a second. I think that's why Robin likes hanging out with him, because they yeah. go to the movies, they go to dinner yeah. and stuff, because, I mean, now that Mort lives up there, yeah. uh, and I think he likes somebody that's not afraid to kind of bust him a little I, bit. I, I got that immediately, because yeah. I'm one of those guys, hey, Robin, how are you, you know? Right. I just don't basically say anything when I'm in the <laughs> Getting a word in the Yeah, exactly. 
You can't. Although he has mellowed. I have to say that. We, had, we did an improv show in San Rafael, which is close to Mill Valley, uh, a few months ago. And Robin just showed up because one of the other guys that was playing with us just knows him. And he, yeah. he said, I'll come play. And I used to play with Robin. He used to play with my improv group like 30 years yeah. ago. Yeah. And you couldn't get a word in edgewise. And now he's very giving on stage. So he's yeah. really changed uh, his pacing. I don't know if it was the, uh, the heart operation that did that. Well, or You know, and I think, too... Um, I don't know if this is a fair analogy, but when I was a young man, I was very into martial arts, right? And I took an uh, I took an Aikido class. If you're familiar with Aikido, sure. right? And it's not there was this was a non-striking class. This is one of those you redirect and you know, and you're constantly doing this thing. So passive-aggressive martial arts. Well, it's just you take, you <laughs> right. know. Anyway, it's it's all redirection. There's, there was no striking. Right. So. This teacher, I said, well, what do you think? Do you think I'll be doing this class? He says, no, I don't think this class is for you. Come back when you're over 50. Really? He's, I said, what? He says, you're cheating the technique with strength because you're a young man. Oh, interesting. And you can get away with it now because you're a young man. <laughs> now, when that strength goes away, you'll have developed habits that will hurt you later on. Interesting. So when you can relax and you're weaker, then this style that I teach will be better for you. What a great analogy for stand-up, isn't it? I exactly. mean, you think of those young stand-ups that literally just pull the show together to make it work, right? I mean, it's <laughs> yes. all just, you watch him and you go, there's no real material here, but the guy is funny, yeah. but he's like pulling a train up a hill exactly. by himself. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and then you watch Mort, <laughs> and it's just, and then. Yeah. And like, I think you'll, you may have even seen it in Wahiwa. When I hit the stage, how my pacing was different. Yes. And I, yeah, I yeah. take these moments. And that's what I love about working with Melka Bang, Frank DeLima, and Augie. We all have a very different style. And I think, uh, good or bad, mine reflects my days on the mainland in the clubs. Yeah, yeah. Augie's still pulling that train up the hill. <laughs> Max. And it was working. Oh, yeah. He's slamming it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But yeah, that's that's the kind of strength you start to lose after you do that for five thousand shows. And you know, when once you've had a baby puke in your mouth and you've raised <laughs> teenagers, you know, you can't get up there and go, "Don't you hate it when you yeah. know?" No, I don't, because <laughs> in right. perspective. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's interesting. That's interesting. Right. Um, so let's see where uh, where should we talk uh, talk around to next. Um, I guess people coming to the mainland, because, I mean, most of the people who are going to access this podcast are either in the U.S., a lot of them in, in England, a lot in Australia and whatnot. If they come to the islands, what what sort of the, should their expectations be in terms of trying to find really entertainment that isn't going to a luau and eating a pig in the ground? Well, you know what? More and more people are returning, and they're getting away from that. There's a lot of ecotourism things now out on the North Shore where they're riding horses and they're hiking and they're doing a zip line and mm -hmm. then they're, they're not going to the, quote, luau. <laughs> you know, that thing, you know. Um, what I would say is work with smaller um, travel agencies. Hmm. You know, a friend of mine, Bruce Fisher, I wish I could remember, I think it's hawaiialoha.com or... Yeah. Anyway, the smaller guys have their, their finger on the pulse of, oh, okay. of the, of the uh, entertainment packages that... And it's primarily because, they, you know, they're not 
looked upon as seriously because they're not wielding 10,000 people at a time or right. whatever it is. So they're having to do things differently. Yeah. You know? I would suggest work with a travel agency that lives here. You know, God bless Expedia. You know? <laughs> but uh, what I'm saying is if you can work with somebody here in Hawaii and make friends. Yeah. You know, go to go to local concerts. Go to, like that Wahiwa thing. Did you notice, like, there weren't any tourists? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and but I think tourists, if they were there, I think they would dig it. I mean, it's like watching Augie's set. You know, I was probably losing about a third of the punchlines because they were in yeah. pigeon, <laughs> but you still get the context. Yeah. And the go- the former governor was there. I mean, yeah. it's just it's such sitting a, with us, sitting <laughs> with us, such a weird mix. And the people are so friendly. I mean, you know, you sat down to to enjoy your big greasy meal yeah. and we were just before before the show and there was that long table of guys sitting there and they go hey sit here and they didn't even know you were on the show because i was there first they go hey you and your friend can sit here yeah. and they introduced their hi i'm bob and this is gus and hey how you doing yeah. nice to meet you and they just like they talked to you like they knew you even though they knew who you were but they were talking like they were a friend of yours well you know i i think i mentioned that that night i said you know what i love about uh, quote fans here in hawaii is they don't do really a fan thing they do all of a sudden you're like they're Cousin. Yeah. You know what I mean? Hey, son, how you been? And they interview. And the, you know the thing too, though, is they see you months later. Bro, you remember me? Bob, from the show. Why are you? was with Mark, right? Uh, yeah, kind of, Bob. <laughs> yeah, sure. <laughs> yeah. But it is really friendly. I mean, it's really fr- Because I could compare it to a show, and I'll just I'll pull out like Tommy T's, which is in the East yeah, Bay and sure. in the Bay Area. Yeah. Giant room would probably seat 300 people just like that room did um and yet you wouldn't interact with the people there unless they were literally someone you knew mm-hmm. and yet the people here it was like one giant family it's just so know, unusual it's almost that they don't want you to interact they, they, hey you're the act if you sit here and talk to me for a half hour before the show there's nothing special about you being on the stage <laughs> that's a good point yeah you know i mean they they want that hey, i don't want to seen by the audience i mean i charge straight into the audience and sit there and i go and you know what's good about that we rarely get hecklers because if somebody talks up our friend bob hey shut up he's a friend of mine that's my friend (laughs) mark mark get over here bro you know I used to tell people in Hawaii, you know, bro, I'm not the one you need to worry about if you're going to heckle. It's that guy sitting next to you who paid 15 bucks. That's right. That's funny. That's funny. Uh, so uh, you you tweet fairly often. You're on Twitter a lot. Um, yeah. I, I like it. You know, um, I think most comics do because you know, it gets you... Uh, gives you a chance to try out ideas, try out riffs. Today I'm uh, I'm onto this thing. Uh, life is short. Have fun. Mm-hmm. So I'm tweeting uh, silly things people can do in their job. Oh, know? good. Oh, I like today. I came up with a here's a few of them. Wear 3D glasses to work, and everybody you run into say, "Whoa, you look so real!" <laughs> you know, wear a sticker, wear a post-it note on your shirt that says, "Reminder: Stop sticking things to myself." <laughs> you know, when I tweet, I just try to—it's like a little comedy mint, yeah. you know, where somebody can look, "Oh, that's kind of put a smile on their face and remind them that, you know, don't take it so serious, man." You know. That's great. So people can follow you at, at Andy Bumatai. Yeah, Easy at enough. Andy Bumatai. I'm on I'm on Facebook. Uh, same thing. Facebook. Yeah. Com slash Andy Bumatai. No space. I'll put all the links up on the, yeah, yeah. the blog space so people yeah. can get to you that and, way. And uh, the main one though is um, 
nowadays at least, is youtube.com slash Andy Bumatai, no space. And that's where I post all the in-the-car interviews. Oh, okay. You know, that's where I'm the, the you of there. <laughs> <laughs> but on video. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and if you, you miss Hawaii and you want to see some of the characters that we got, uh, you know, hanging around here and some beautiful scenery at the same time, I shoot this thing in a car. That's know? great. We shoot nine GoPros in this puppy. Really? Yeah, I've got nine hooked up to this camera, so I... Wow, know. that's a lot of editing. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> that's the reason we couldn't shoot our show. I got, the, I got 16... <laughs> Everything is full, my, yeah. Like, oh, my God. Wow. I don't know. I started out, and it's funny because, and this, tell me this isn't a comedy thing, right? Um, it started, I had my iPhone, right? And I would, uh, I had a suction cup mount on the windshield. And then I would come up with a comedy bit, so I would think, hmm. And I'd flip on the video, and I'm in the car, and I would talk to, hey, did you ever notice sometimes when you yada, yada, yada? And then I'd get home, look at it, go, I'm going to post that. <laughs> you know, yeah. I waste it. You yeah, know? yeah. So it was I just a note for yourself originally. Right. So I yeah. started posting just my observations on, on YouTube, right? Then Augie T gets in the car, and what had happened was the suction cup on the windshield kept falling off, right? Because I don't clean my windshield. <laughs> so I had a boom mic in the car from some gig, you know, in the back. So I hooked it up in the thing, and now this, right? Augie gets in the car, so I flip on the video and I go, hi, here we are in the car with my friend Augie Tolva. And I swing the boom over okay. and point it at him. We're just goofing around. I get home, I go, hey. This is not a bad idea. So I start doing this with people on an iPhone. Oh, and then somebody says, hey, flip it out and point it out the window so we can see where the hell you are. Right? So, yeah. oh. so then I buy another little camera. And yeah. then the uh, OC-16, you can see these shows up on OC16.tv is the website. But they see it. Hey, you mind uh, doing this on the air? And I said, oh, that'd be great. We have to shoot 1080p high definition. <laughs> Oops. Uh, you mean I can't just do it on my iPhone? You know? <laughs> so then, you know. Fast forward to nine GoPros. Yeah, wow. that's so. great though. I mean, and you're an innov- that's the that's the funny thing is, you know, you think about people in the islands being kind of laid back, and you certainly are. But you, I mean, you've really innovated kind of every jump you've made, wow. successful or not. You've yeah. innovated these jumps in how to kind of keep your career moving. And I think that's an important lesson for. I mean, the majority of the people I think that listen to my podcast are podcasters. It's like <laughs> I can't get regular people to listen. I, I do. I have lots of regular listeners, but the people that respond the most are other podcasters and most of the ones that are having fun doing this are doing the same thing they're innovating what the podcast medium is so i think there's some lessons to be taken from sort of seeing how you've made your way through your comedy career and you know it's reinvention by necessity i mean when the stand-up comedy thing for me in the nightclubs you know at 58 my my people aren't coming out right you know, I mean, their grandkids might be, but you know what <laughs> yeah. I'm saying? But And they know who I am, and I have name recognition and stuff. But, you know, the idea of getting in a car, ironing a shirt, and hassling yeah. parking for down, forget it. So now you get in the car and take the show to them. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about it like that. Exactly. But I'm just saying, so I said, hey, listen, i got to do something to keep myself relevant. And that's the beauty of... Twitter and mm-hmm. Facebook and stuff. These people, my name is still out there. They're enjoying the humor, but they don't have to, you know, go down there. My joke is, you know, the 
reason clubs are dying, it's STDs and DUIs. <laughs> you know? If you can't get laid or drunk, why go out? That's <laughs> there's, there's no band that good. <laughs> That's great. Well, Andy, thanks so much for the time. And uh, I'll have all the links so people can check you out online and check out your new show on YouTube, In the Car. Okay. And just, just one thing I ask. Mark. Yeah. Don't edit me out. Oh, no, I won't. <laughs> I won't. Uh, and we'll uh, we'll see you when you get to the Bay Area. Oh, you got it. We'll, uh, we'll talk to you again. Thanks. Thanks, man. Oh, that was great to catch up with Andy. Uh, try, to, try to hook up with him a little bit every time I get to the islands. Uh, please remember to check out his In the Car series. It's on YouTube. I will have an episode embedded in the blog post for this episode at SuccotashShow.com and let you take it from there. And now, drum roll, please. I'm recording this without knowing if I will actually have a drum roll. Uh, it's time for the t-shirt giveaway. Uh, if you want a chance to win this black tee with red writing on the front that says crack up Thursdays with show info on the back in white, send me the distance in miles or kilometers from San Francisco to Honolulu. So get to your internets, everybody. I will draw a name from the correct answers and send you the shirt. I will pay for the postage myself. Uh, please include a mailing address, obviously, but submit your entry to me at Mark, that's M-A-R-C, at SuccotashShow.com. Deadline to win is Monday, November 19th at 11.59 p.m. That's when the entries close and you get to win this great moth-eaten t-shirt. Friends, it's no secret that at Henderson's Pants, we don't like to see anyone go without a snappy pair of trousers from working stiffs on the factory floor to high-powered honchos in their penthouse offices henderson's has been cradling their buttocks every step of the way but what about the fop the dandy that urbane gent about town preoccupied with little else than his manners and his clothing it doesn't matter that a feat snobbery went out well over 50 years ago when the fops went out the door henderson's pants went with them and we've stayed with them too. You generally won't find Henderson's fancy pants for fops on a casual shopping spree, but if you're a pretentious popinjay, just give your local Henderson's pants salesperson that snide smirk you've got down to a science, and you'll be shown into our private fitting area in no time flat. You'll be seated comfortably with a brandy in hand and a snoot full of snuff, watching a parade of the latest fancy pants parade right by you. With any luck at all, you'll favor us with a fitting, and although we never dare hope to be so lucky. You might even leave the premises with a fresh pair, <laughs> dare we say two, of Henderson's fancy pants for fops under your arm. Originally designed for syphilitic poets, renaissance painters, and Bo Brummel, we'd ask you to tell your friends, but we know that you don't actually have any. Fancy pants for fops from Henderson's, makers of fine trousers and pantaloons since 1491. Now back to Succotash. Ah, uh, thank you, Bill Haywatt. Thank you, Bill Haywatt. Thank you, Henderson's Pants people. And uh, hopefully we'll be back in Studio P. Uh, it's been a little while, but uh, just been having trouble coordinating schedules with uh, Engineer Joe. Uh, it is time for our in-house political comedian. Our ambassador to the Middle Will Durst has an e-book out. I've talked about this the last few episodes. It's called Elect to Laugh, and it's a collection of his election year rants and observations, both taken from his act and from the syndicated column he does. You may even hear a few familiar things from the Burst of Durst he does on our show. Uh, it's a cheap buy, a great read, and the perfect time of year if you'd like to get into the spirit of the election, which is um, 
gosh, this will probably go up the same day that the election's happening on the 6th. Uh, we'll have a link at SuccotashShow.com, but you can also get over to Will's site at WillDurst.com and grab his book there. In the meantime, here's the latest from the raging moderate himself. Hey, guys. Will Durst here with the dead solid skinny on the upcoming presidential election. As a public service, we're going to tell you right here and now who wins this thing and why. So, without further delay, let's go. Mitt Romney will win because of Hurricane Sandy. Barack Obama will win because of Hurricane Sandy. Romney will win because his name isn't Hussein. Obama will win because his name isn't Willard. Romney will win because the economy sucks. Obama will win because the economy doesn't suck as bad as it once did. Romney will win because he has the money. Obama will win because he has the soul. Romney will win because he wasn't born in Kenya. Obama will win because he wasn't born in Kenya. Romney will win because NASCAR dads want to be in charge again. Obama will win because Walmart moms want to call Planned Parenthood. Romney will win because Obama will run out of money. Obama will win because Romney's batteries will run down. Romney will win because we all want to be rich. Obama will win because most of us think we're smooth. Romney will win because dark forces will gather behind him. Obama will win because the force will be with him always. Romney will win because he's a Latter-day Saint. Obama will win because of the halo that surrounds him. Romney will win because he isn't Obama. Obama will win because he isn't Romney. Romney will win because he's not black. Obama will win because he's not Mormon. Romney will win because of Obamacare. Obama will win because of Romney care. Romney will win because he'll get more popular votes. Obama will win because he'll get more electoral votes. So there you have it. The winner and the next president of the United States of America, one of those two guys. For Succotash, the podcast of comedy podcasts, I'm Will Durst. All right. Get more Durst at willdurst.com. He also tweets uh, a lot as uh, at Will Durst. That's W-I-L-L-D-U-R-S-T. So look him up there. Well, goodbye, episode 39. You were fun. Uh, hey, you know what? If you're a comedy podcaster and want us to feature your show on Succotash, just send a three to five minute MP3 clip to clips at succotashshow.com. A reminder that uh, next Tuesday, November 13th, I will be a guest on the Functional Nerd podcast. Uh, so you might want to check that out. Um, just go to Functional Nerd. You can get them on iTunes. I think if you go to functionalnerds.com, uh, they will be uh, probably streaming that live. Although I guess I can't swear to that, but that will be with uh, John Aniolo and Patrick Hester on Functional Nerds. So I look forward to talking to those guys. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, again, it's Mark at SuccotashShow.com or info at SuccotashShow.com. We're on Twitter at SuccotashShow. Uh, like our Facebook fan page, Suckatash Show up there. You can also listen to the show through our Facebook fan page. We are on Libsyn.com. We are on Stitcher Smart Radio. You can hear us rebroadcast uh, every episode at the uh, Clutch and Wiggle Entertainment Radio, which is um, CWERadio.com. And uh, anywhere else on the internet you normally get your podcast, you can probably find us. Finally, give us a call at the Succotash Hotline if you got any news to share or opinions or whatever at 818-921-7212. Now, before I get out of here completely, riddle me this. Won't you please pass the Succotash? Thank you.
You've been listening to Sockatash, the comedy podcast podcast with your host, Mark Hershon. Brought to you by Henderson's Pants. And imagine your company's name right here. Find us on the web at SuckatashShow.com or at Suckatash Show on iTunes and even at Suckatash Show on your smartphone Stitcher app. Follow Suckatash on Twitter at Suckatash Show. Friend Suckatash on Facebook. Email us at marc at SuckatashShow.com or just pick up that phone and give Suckatash a ring at 1-818-921-7212. Suckatash is produced and engineered by Joe Paulino at Studio P. Sausalito, home of the hit. Our musical director is Scott Carvey. Our booth assistant is Kenny Durges. Until next time, I'm your loyal booth announcer, Bill Haywatt, reminding you to please... Pass the succotash.